You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast, and I have uh, Dr. Doug Thompson. Uh, he's the founder of the Wellness Dentistry Network. It's a network that teaches dentists about how to provide uh, better care and how to run their practices. Uh, he's also a dentist himself and runs his own practice. So, uh, Doug, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well, Richard. Thanks for having me. appreciate being on. Yeah, and for listeners, uh, Doug was referred by a couple of really uh, – high-end and insightful dentists I've also spoken to. So uh, I think this will be a great podcast. So uh, Thanks, Richard, tell me, yeah, how did you get into dentistry? What spurred your interest in it? And, you know, what's your career been like? Yeah, Rich, it's an uh, interesting question because I started out at 17 years old as a crown and bridge technician. That's a guy who works in a dental lab and makes teeth. And so I started mm-hmm. to do some night courses. And then uh, the night courses uh, continue to spur my interest toward biology and sciences and that kind of thing. And uh, so the next uh, progression for me was to uh, switch uh, working from day in the laboratory to uh, going to school during the day and switching and using my, doing my laboratory work at night. So I didn't go to dental school until I was 28. I graduated at 32 from the University of Michigan. And um, that really got me, got, my, got me started. And while I was at Michigan, I met a guy who was really interested in the microbiology or the way bacteria grow around teeth and how hard they are to control and then how those bacteria affect other systemic conditions that, um, you know, that can uh, make people sick. So it was, uh, that's been a really natural progression into where I'm, you know, where I'm at today. So once I got out of dental school, I just started to immediately try to learn more and more about this whole mouth body connection and how, um, how these bacteria and other things in the mouth can affect whole body health. Yeah. I mean, what is the uh, mouth body connection? I would think, you know, people have heard, Oh, if you have a really bad abscess or, you know, tooth that can go into your bloodstream and uh, I guess, you know, maybe even kill you. But um, I don't think that many people know there is a mouth body connection and think about it at all. And I don't know if dentists think about it much either. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to get over is we were taught in third grade that dentists repair teeth. You know, we fix teeth. That's mm-hmm. what we do. And that doctors really make people better. Well, today we realize that and science supports the idea that um, the mouth, which is teeming with bacteria, yeast and viruses and can be have in p- different people have different levels. But those bacteria, yeast, and viruses are now being cross-referenced or studied with up to 57 other systemic diseases. So these bacteria create an inflammatory response or basically a, a low-grade chronic illness, and that low-grade chronic condition can, uh, can affect these other disease processes. And so we really want our patients, what we want to do 
Rich, just to be able to look our patients in the eye and say, hey, look, I evaluated your mouth and uh, I've looked at a lot of different things and I can assure you that your mouth is, is in no way negatively affecting your health. And if you can't say that, then maybe we need to think about what could we do more as a dentist to help our patients not only recognize this relationship, but how could we help them be healthier? And that's really how it started. So it starts with these bacteria and um, then these bacteria move around. And I mean, things like colorectal cancer and pancreatic cancer and diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So it's really dentists today and dental hygienists, actually, which, you know, dental hygienists are the ones in the office that uh, do most of the tooth maintenance for patients. And our, uh, our dental hygienist population is, uh, they're amazingly on the forefront of uh, being able to identify people with problems. So where do, um, I'm not sure the correlations are how, but where do um, problems present first? Do they present more to the dentist, to the hygienist? Or do they present earlier through, you know, to the medical doctor or the oncologist? For yeah, that's a good question, Rich. But typically the dentist, uh, these diseases that are early, um, just like if you think of any other disease in the body, detecting the disease very early can be really hard. You need sophisticated metrics or you need some kind of really neat way of looking at it. But detecting the disease, but treating it can be quite easy. But detecting a disease late can be really easy. You know, if you have a loose tooth or, you know, your teeth are shifting or flaring, or you have, you know, notorious breath or some other issues, we might be able to find out sooner that you have a problem. But um, treating it can be very hard because often it's late stage disease. And we see that with a lot of our medical diseases, you know. So what we're trying to do is uh, the dentist usually with a good thorough oral examination or the hygienist can usually pick these problems off pretty early. And what I try to do through our teaching as I help other dentists learn about this is to try to help dentists recognize how to see these diseases earlier and earlier so we can give our patients more options that would provide them, you know, better opportunities to heal. Uh, less hospital experiences, and um, they can just generally be healthier. So that's kind of the foundation. So both have a great opportunity to see it, and most trained dentists um, that have been trained in uh, in this methodology and this technique can uh, can you know find the disease early. So what's an example of uh, you know a strongly correlated health condition, and what what happens in the mouth to cause it? Is it uh, you know you have plaque buildup? for a long time and that leads to XYZ or, you know, what, where, what are the correlations that you see? Yeah. And Rich, you, you would know that if you eat, you know, there's a lot of talk in the, in the world has been on car, in cardiovascular disease management that you have to not eat too much fat. You can't eat too much fatty foods. Um, you got to exercise and you got to eat the right diet. Well, if I have a patient that comes in my office and we learn about this in cardiovascular medicine, that these are risk factors for cardiovascular disease. So, and we have the same set, we have a similar set of risk factors for diabetes and we have risk factors for uh, insulin resistance or some other metabolic issues. Uh, we have, these are general risk factors for poor health. So just like these, identifying these risk factors, if I have a patient that comes in my office and I know they have risk factors for cardiovascular disease and they sit down and they have a big bacterial um, imbalance in their mouth to where they even have cavities. Uh, lots of cavities, or they have um, gum disease, uh, you know, in a way that we define it, then I get suspicious. And what I would like to do is I usually will ask that patient, you know, I wonder, do you know where you are on your journey with heart disease? Or do you know where you are on your journey with diabetes? And it would further spur either me doing some more diagnostics 
or me sending them to somebody who could do some more diagnostics. And it's just the awareness of patients that have other risk factors for disease and the disease that you treat or the diseases you treat. Many of those patients will have the uh, uh, will have some underlying medical issues. And so I'll refer them to a, we'll collaborate with a physician or we'll do some more diagnostics ourselves. And then we'll find out that they have, um, that they have these issues. So I had, had one patient come in, had periodontal disease, several risk factors for heart attack and stroke or cardiovascular disease. And I simply referred to a physician down the street and they ran some labs and the laboratory report said she had a near-term risk within one to six months of a heart attack or a stroke. So that's hmm. a big that's a big thing. You know, if you're a dentist and you find that for somebody, um, they they think you can do more than just fix teeth. So that's it's a real life example. So is it is it correlating the condition of someone's mouth and then asking questions such as uh, or or observing? You know, okay, this person's mouth. Uh, you know, he has gum. He or she has gum problems, and I see that they're overweight. And so I ask them a few questions about the rest of their medical history, and then an opinion forms in your mind. Okay, well, this or that could be going on, or is it more obvious? Is it are there certain no, things that could happen in the mouth where they tell you, hmm, this is a problem? Yeah, there's a there are a few conditions in the mouth where you know you know if they have that 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 it could be it's much more likely that they have it. But a lot of times it's just being aware of other risk factors and seeing um, some clinical signs. Sleep apnea is a real big thing now. Um, a lot of us are really getting aware about how um, sleep is disrupted by improper breathing, either caused by some anatomical structures, you know, maybe it's a huge tongue or they can't breathe through their nose or they have their tongue tied or they have, uh, they have certain clinical conditions that when you look, you know, a light bulb goes off in your head. I wonder how they're sleeping. And yet, and then if you learn a couple leading questions to ask, hey, do you snore? You know, do you get restful sleep? Uh, then once we ask a few leading questions, then it spurs our curiosity. And then you would say something like, you know, would you be willing to take a home sleep test? Or would you be willing to, you know, wear this instrument home at night so we can collect a little bit more diagnostics? Because if you do have this, it's a really big health risk. And the other interesting thing, Rich, the diseases that I'm trying to treat, periodontal disease, cavities, which periodontal disease is another word for gum disease. These diseases that I'm trying to treat, when they have these other diseases like diabetes or cardiovascular disease or you know, other metabolic issues, it makes my disease treatment harder. So not only can I help them with that disease, but it may, when that disease gets under control, it makes my disease easier to treat. And that's why it's an integration. And so what happened after dental school, my practice, after I bought this traditional private practice where we do fillings and drill and do all the traditional stuff in dentistry, I rebranded or renamed my practice to integrative oral medicine. And that's because it's all integrated. You can't separate the mouth from the body. It's absolutely integrated. And, um, and as dentists become more and more aware, um, they're helping patients get a lot healthier just by having these awareness this awareness piece and by knowing what to do when patients answer, answer questions in a certain way. So it's knowing the questions to answer and then it's how to guide the patient to better treatment and to better diagnosis once you learn these, uh, these answers. And, uh, and then what happens, Rich, is physicians learn a little bit about what you do and then they start to refer patients to you that are sick on the other end. And, uh, and I mean, just in another way. And what we also find is many of these patients have other illnesses or other sicknesses also have mouth conditions that need repair. So it's uh, so so I guess I would summarize it like this. 
you could be sick, like you could be sick, have a cold or a flu and have a pretty healthy mouth. But if you have an unhealthy mouth, there's most likely some sickness somewhere or something going on. And our job is mm-hmm. when we see people with unhealthy mouth, we start, you know, I say things like, you know, you can't be healthy with a sick mouth. There, there, there's some downstream biomarker somewhere. There's something going on that we could probably help with. And our goal is to get people uh, to a condition where their mouth is not contributing negatively to their health. And then we also help them work on other things as well. Anything from literally, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds to uh, I'm not sleeping well at night or I'm not getting enough exercise. I don't know how much water I should drink every day. I keep hearing these conflicting things. So we have teach pieces that we help patients uh, to learn about these different areas, um, which brings us to why I created an entity called the Wellness Dentistry Network. That's where we teach other dentists these questions and these relationships, and um, and we create materials for them to use in practice so that um, they can have at their fingertips a library of resource materials to help their patients gain awareness and help their teams learn how to diagnose and help their teams uh, look at best practices protocols for how to treat these things. And it's really turned into a world of learning. You know, just uh, I'll spend my lifetime continuing to refine these concepts. Well, what are, um, what can you do again as a dentist or what can a general dentist do to help someone's health? I mean, besides, okay, I noticed this, I'll ask you questions, then I'll refer you. What can they do in the world of dentistry? You know, let's say, yeah. um, you know, I, I get my teeth cleaned at the dentist every three months instead of every two years or something. I have good yeah, cleaning and, and I take better care of my teeth and I have less plaque and cavities and all that. How do you think downstream that would affect my health? Yeah, it would affect your health big time because, uh, Rich, we're, we're really dentists today are really in the, I'm going to call it the microbial load control business. And if you can think about that, you know, at night when you pull up to your bathroom sink, and you grab a toothbrush, you're really scrubbing bacteria off your teeth. That's what you're really doing. And we want patients to be able to do that on the tops of their teeth, on the sides of their teeth, and in between their teeth. So you're in the microbial load business. Well, let's say somebody either doesn't do that so well, or they can't get into the small nooks and crannies around their teeth. What dentists can do is they can identify patients that have this gum bleeding, and they can make recommendations. Hey, why don't you come in a little bit more often, or why don't we teach you or give you methodologies to do a better job at home? And what I stopped saying, Rich, was that my patients don't know how to brush. Uh, My patients are actually pretty smart. What was happening in my practice is we had the inability to teach them different methods that might work for them. Because, you know, floss doesn't work for everybody. A toothbrush doesn't work for everybody. Some people do much better with a power brush. Some people do much better with water flossers instead of string floss or they do better with small little brushes or picks that they put between their teeth. So as a dentist, you can learn all kinds of methodologies for how to help your patients control those, that bacteria. And you can share that with them in the office. And you can also bring patients in more frequently because the cleaner your mouth is, the less issues you're going to have with your systemic health related to your mouth. That's for sure. Okay. So there's a um, lot of dentists. There's a lot of things dentists can do and hygienists as well. Yeah, what are, what are some things that, uh, like, what are two or three things that you've observed in a lot of people's mouths, and what things could they be correlated with health-wise that you can impact? Yeah, the biggest thing that uh, we see is undiagnosed gum disease. So what happened is we used to worry about gum disease. You've heard of maybe getting long in the tooth, right? That's what people would yeah. say. That's when their gums are receding. Um, when people have gum recession, 
that typically is not normal. And so when people, but we think, we kind of think it is. And so when people have gum recession, we know that that's a gum disease issue that's either happened and is, you know, not so bad now. Could we call that stable gum disease? Or that gum disease could still be going on. And what we realize is dentists used to worry about gum disease only when the teeth got a lot longer and maybe even sometimes got loose and they, you know, were at risk of losing their teeth. But what we started to learn maybe in 2004, somewhere around there, Time Magazine put out an article to the general public. It was a classic publication and it talked about inflammation and how inflammation is the secret killer and, to, and it degrades the body in a number of ways. I mean, just a number of ways. And so what we realized happens around the teeth way before they get longer is that you can see inflammation, but you have to use some, you know, you might have, Rich, remember when you go to the dentist, they might measure pockets around your teeth and they'll call off a whole bunch of numbers like three, two, three, yep. four, five, two, you know, that's called periodontal probing. And what they're doing is they're looking at the crevice depth around your tooth. And when those crevices get to a certain point, they can select for bad acting bacteria that grow in there that you can't get to. And we even have a hard time getting to sometimes. And they, um, and that, that biofilm load or that bacteria load turns kind of mean and pathogenic and it creates degradation of the, or it erodes away the supporting structure of the teeth. And pretty soon these teeth not only get longer, but they get loose. And so what we need to do now in dentistry is start to focus more on inflammatory diseases of the mouth, you know, cavities and gum disease, and stamp those diseases out or stabilize them much, much earlier and not wait so long. So we still have articles in our literature that say that 50% or more of the population has this problem, gum disease or maybe a cavity infection, but mostly gum disease. And in dentists, if I was a dental consultant and I went and looked at the average code uses or, or the way we the way we tell the world, the medical, the medical and insurance world, what kind of therapy we're providing in our office, most of us are still treating 95% or more of our patients with uh, codes and procedures that say they don't have disease. So what I'm saying is there's a big disconnect between the amount of disease that's out there and the amount of disease that we're telling the world we're treating. So we, could, we got a lot of room to do a much better job. And that's why we use educational centers. Like there's a great one in Seattle called the Koi Center. Um, but these are high, po highly respected postgraduate educational centers that help dentists move beyond even just what they learned in dental school. And I graduated from University of Michigan. I'm really proud of that. And I mean, no disrespect to the school. But what I learned at Michigan was perfect for help to help me take care of healthy teeth. But what I realized in private practice after years of research is that to take care of diseased teeth is a much, much more complex uh, issue. And uh, so we have to figure out a way to simplify that and help our patients be successful uh, because I can't do it alone. You know, I only spend a couple of hours with patients then they're on their own at home. So that's why yeah. it's so education intensive. What, uh, any trends that you see in people's mouths, do they have the same kind of issues they had as always, or are things moving in a certain direction? Yeah, they are moving in a certain direction. I would say what we're seeing is we're seeing diseases of the mouth at an earlier age. So in other words, just like our society is getting fatter and our kids are getting sicker, we're seeing the same kind of thing in dentistry. We're seeing more disease at an earlier age. And I don't know if it's totally the foods, 
but you know our lives are full of convenience foods. We have uh, lots and lots of sugar in our diet. Um, you know, our body was designed to process a teaspoon of sugar a day, and we take in on average 27 teaspoons a day. So these diseases that affect our metabolism um, also fuel the bacteria that grow in the mouth. So we're seeing, we're, so the processed foods we're eating, the unhealthy foods we're eating, the lack of sleep because we stay up, we stay up longer, the lack of exercise because we're sedentary, we don't move around, we don't play outside. Um, all these things are adding up to create more diseases uh, that we see in the mouth and in the rest of the body. And we're seeing it on younger populations, um, and uh, especially too with sleep apnea. We have children that snore and grind their teeth and have uh, acid uh, reflux issues. You know, these are children. And um, so what we really believe in is intervention early is really late stage disease prevention. Right. If you intervene early, you find this disease early, the earlier you can intervene, um, the more you can ward off some late stage disease for somebody. And the, um, the bacteria in the mouth are well connected and well researched um, to affect the biology of your blood vessels. And you have 6000 miles of blood vessels in your body. And if you have some condition in your mouth that's helping degrade those blood vessels or cause problems for them. Boy, you'd want to you'd want to go to a dentist who knows how to identify that and can help you take care of it. Yeah, what are some interesting correlations between the mouth health and the bacteria in the mouth and the body? Like you said, uh, bacteria can actually affect the integrity of the blood vessels. I mean, how? Yeah, affect. You know, yeah, maybe a little have, bit about that mechanism. Yeah, you have you have bacteria in the mouth that because of certain things they produce, or uh, your body reacts in a certain way. Uh, and sees it as an invader, and your body starts to do, um, you know, certain things. It can affect the um, the permeability or the ability of your vessel membranes to uh, function properly, uh, which allows fats and other things to move into the wall of your vessel and cause what we call athroma or um, actually buildup of plaque in the arteries. That uh, oral bacteria have an effect on arterial stiffening. You know, if your arteries are stiff and they're not so compliant, then your blood pressure could be higher. Uh, so it could affect your blood pressure. Um, bacteria in the mouth can affect your sinus cavity and your ability to, um, uh, to breathe clearly through your nose. Uh, bacteria in your mouth can affect your body's ability to produce a really good chemical that helps the um, the blood vessels, um, the blood vessel membrane be healthy called nitric oxide. I mean, there's a host of uh, a laundry list of ways the bacteria in the mouth can affect your blood vessels. The cavity bacteria, yeah, the cavity bacteria, which can really, um, uh, they produce a lot of acid. And those acid, uh, when you see somebody with a brown spot on their tooth or a black spot on their tooth, or even sometimes a really bright, bright white spot, um, that can be what we call demineralization, where minerals are getting sucked out of the tooth, almost like if you acid etch a concrete floor and you put acid on a floor before you paint it or something like that, it will, it will make it frosty or, or rough. That's what happens to your teeth, and um, that's what causes the teeth to get eaten away by the cavity-causing bacteria. So we want to make sure that, uh, that we um, educate patients about that, and we don't, and, and that's why we don't want patients to drink like highly acidic beverages all day. 
you know, sodas are really, are really acidic. And so when patients drink those, they have two problems. They have a lot of acid and then they have a lot of sugar. So you have fuel for the bacteria and then you have a lot of acid, which creates a, just a one-two punch for the teeth. And uh, over time, the teeth just can't take it. And so they rot. And, um, and I didn't know this some years ago, but even the bacteria that cause tooth rotting, if they have high levels of those bacteria in the mouth, and that person has a heart attack or a stroke, in many studies, if you look at the, the uh, bacteria or if you look at the blood clot taking from the heart attack or stroke area, you'll find those kind of bacteria are in that clot. So these bacteria yeah. from the mouth move around through the body and they affect other organ systems. That's the idea. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so that's really the, that's really the take home message for, for the general consumer is that we need to, uh, make sure that you have great, uh, control. And today we have something really cool. We have a swish and spit test that we can do. And we have some other types of testing that we can do that will give the patient a chart and tell the patient what, uh, the makeup is of the, of some of the most bad acting bacteria that we know about. And so that's kind of a cool opportunity um, because sometimes patients will come in and they'll say, I know I have these other health issues. I wonder you know, what my mouth's like. And we can actually uh, let them know, you know what that is by doing a bacteria study. We can do like a bacterial assay. And, okay. um, and characterize the microbiome you know, of the mouth. Yeah. And you know, Rich, I'm listening to the background. You got some birds in the background and I don't know what zip code you're in, but uh, I'm in... Um, I'm in the Michigan area, and it's a beautiful, gorgeous day today. And one of the yeah, here that too. That's why I'm uh I'm outside. Is I'm in Austin, Texas. There's all these yeah, blackbirds chirping all over the place. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I can tell you that what we're trying to do, and what those birds remind me of, is just the vitality and the longevity that we can help patients achieve by stomping out oral infections and these infections in the mouth really, really early. And um, just like those birds chirping, you know, when you're sick, uh, you don't feel like that. You know, when you're sick, you, you don't feel, you just want to be better. Um, but when you're yeah. healthy, you know, we're full of life and energy and we got all kinds of things we want to do. And so, um, so we're, we're really trying to provide a style of dentistry that helps our patients with the vitality of their life. And uh, for many, with the longevity of their life, we can, um, you know, we can stave off or we can help them hold off other diseases. The other big disease that we didn't talk about or mention yet in this time together is uh, yeah. the ability of oral bacteria to affect brain health and your brain. Really? So we have, a, we have a big issue with Alzheimer's and dementia. And right. the, some of these bacteria, through somewhat of a sophisticated scientific process, can help uh, the brain, uh, help these plaques form in the brain. And when these plaques form hmm. in the brain, it starves the blood and the nourishment to the brain tissue. And so the brain dies really slowly, a little bit at a time and a sick mouth can contribute to that process. So we want to make sure for Alzheimer's and dementia that somewhere in, uh, the early, our early relationship with patients that we help them learn about their cognitive uh, health and that we help them learn about, uh, make sure the mouth isn't contributing in any way to, you know, degradation of their brain health. So that's another big area. And that's, a, that's, good, that's going to be continuing to grow, you know, more and more. So we actually have a computerized brain assessment that we can do for patients. They can go online and take a little test 
or, or we have something in writing that they can do and we can we can start to help patients with um, you know with this uh, with with aging issues if we identify it early now you might say Rich, so you know, it sounds like um, well, it, it sounds like there's a whole wing or area of science that needs to be opened up and explored dental I guess I'll call it like dental medicine or you know but since the mouth can affect so many things in the microbiome of the mouth and the condition of it, it seems like this is a whole big area that really needs to be expanded upon dramatically. No question, uh, Rich. I practice precision periodontal medicine. That's what we practice. And it's um, and we do that in addition to all the other stuff. I mean, I do Invisalign and I do uh, fillings and, you know, we do all the traditional stuff. This has all been an extra area of interest and it's been um, and it's helped me treat those diseases better. Uh, that's really, you know, what it's helped me, um, it's helped me do, but you are correct. It's a, it's a, there's a vast array of opportunities for us to, um, you know, to do that. I could have something as simple as an eye chart hanging on the wall in my operatory. And I could ask my patient, do you see the line straight or curved? And if they say, well, it's got a little bend to it. I might be the first person to help them discover they're in the early stages of macular degeneration. Um, how, how do, you know, people come to our dental offices often twice a year and many people, and I hope a lot more in the future, three times or four times a year because we're controlling these biofilm diseases. And if we just have a little bit of awareness of a few things that we could ask them or show them, we can help them with some of these other issues. And it not only builds trust and loyalty in the practice, but you really help a patient get better and be better. And there's nothing more gratifying than helping people be healthy especially when it's minimal effort. And it does come back monetarily because people come in and they, you know, they're more loyal to your practice. They send their friends. And so you start to build a little bit of a brand and a reputation. And it's through that brand and reputation building that um, people start to trust you. And I take that, I take that privilege, you know, really, really seriously. Because when these people come to you, you know, the first thing you have to say when you don't know is, hey, I, you know, I don't know, but maybe I can find out. But the other thing we have is a big responsibility to be experts in what we should know. And um, yeah, I mean, I would think that the me- medicine is very segmented, and I don't know how I'd react if my dentist. Uh, I mean, I'd react differently now because my mind's more open. But most people, if the dentist said, "Hey, I think you have a problem with uh, macular degeneration," or "You think you have a problem with this or that or the other," and completely separate from what they think dentistry is. You know, I don't know if they would react the right way or say, what are you talking about? You know, and yeah, how would you even know some, that? Yeah, some say that. And that's a beautiful question, because then what I have is either some small piece of literature or something easy. Uh, you know, I'm not getting into a big discussion with them about that at that point. So what you just did is I we pique some people's curiosity. Other people say, oh, I was stuck with my eye doctor. Perfect. You know, at least then maybe they'll ask a question. Maybe they won't. We might write it in our notes. We might ask them next time if they checked with their eye doctor. So we don't push that, but more people than not, Rich, I find are curious and they'll ask a leading question, like, how, how do, why would you say that? And then we say, well, this is a validated metric that we, people use to, to look at it. We just hung it here because we thought maybe we could help somebody if they didn't know. Oh, really? Maybe I'll check it out. So we're not talking about having a long you know, consultation. And what I was going to say earlier is we also recognize we're not medical doctors. We don't know. We, could, you know, we might be able to identify or help screen for a few things. But we're not competent and qualified to treat these things. So that's why we, we need to get people to the right help or, or to alert them. 
you know, in the world of Google and the world of the internet searches today, you have any, any patient that's even remotely interested in certain areas, they're going to go and they're going to find out. They'll, they'll get a lot of information. And when they ask you, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? It's no harm in rendering an opinion. You're not making formal diagnoses. We need the physicians to help do that. Um, so we're just helping people be more aware about their overall health. And for sure, what we're mm-hmm. trying to do is, is, is help dentists learn what to do, you know, to identify these things. So, yeah. So here's a big question. So you can't help everyone in the world. So if someone's not local to you and they have a problem and they listen to this podcast and they want help, how do they pick the right dentist? How do they know if the dentist is hip to what's going on or if they're just old school, like, you know, working your teeth yeah. and that's the end of the story? Well, we would hope that all of our wellness dentistry network member dentists, and that and that and that's wellness dentistry network. A lot of people just put in wellness dentistry. Uh, wellness dentistry network member dentists. They've either taken courses, they've been exposed to materials. Um, they should have an increased awareness. Um, our dentists that come from the Koi Center in Seattle. That's another uh, search. That's a great place. And then there's a, a, a um, another organization called the American Academy of Oral Systemic Health. Um, those dentists are, you know, very aware. There's other uh, organizations, uh, Rich, but we have, we've been doing some very unique things in this area. So we would hope our Wellness Dentistry Network member dentists, and in addition, even getting in touch with us, getting in touch with me, we have some physicians and some, we're entering the world now of telehealth and telemedicine and teledentistry. That's on the horizon. Because we have some wellness dentistry network member offices in Australia, uh, the UK, uh, we have Spain and Italy. And how do you know what happens when somebody there wants to find somebody you know that can help them with some medical issues? We have physicians that can help people over the phone. So it's really an interesting, uh, interesting time. And many lab tests today, a lot of lab tests can be what we call consumer driven. You know, the consumer can order up a you know, a certain lab test through the mail and send it back into the lab company. And then they could get the results back and then they could work with a, with a physician over the phone. Okay. So there's some neat opportunities if you're not geographically proximated and you and Austin, right. I'll tell you, you, you have some, you have some, uh, really nice wellness dentistry network member dentists right there in Austin. So I want to give a yeah, shout I just looked to on the website. Yeah, I looked at the website. Yep. I found a few. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, yeah, my, the Austin group is a great group down there. And uh, so I give a shout out to my Austin, my Austin people. Okay. Well, that's great. So, uh, you know, you kind of preempted what I was going to ask you, but uh, references and resources for listeners, but you just listed them. So, um, great. In and, addition can, and, to... and, and Rich, one of, the, and one of the ways they can get, I don't know what you list on your podcast, but my email is easy. It's just Doug, D-O-U-G, at wellnessdentistrynetwork.com. So somebody could email okay. me. Uh, they could send me something. I can, I'm happy to field questions. Um, you know, it's not a problem. I don't know how big your audience is, but, uh, I'm happy to, um, I'm happy to help. If the answers are too long, you'll be called long in the tooth, right? Even though you're not. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. We have, <laughs> we have help fielding some of those. So we really, we really do want to help the listeners. We want to get the word out. Uh, it's a great, great time to be a dentist and it's a better time to be a patient of a dentist that knows what's going on between the mouth and the body. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Doug, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Rich. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, 
stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.